Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Friday follow-up on Reclaim Me. My name is Madeline Heather and today I am joined by Braden Crane, Jared Grice and Harrison James. Welcome everybody. So that you don't have to talk over each other right now, uh, I'm going to go to Braden and let Braden introduce himself and we'll pass it around so you can all do a brief introduction. Thanks, Mads. Uh, Braden here, pronouns he, him. And do you want to say as well, Braden, what land you're coming to us from today? Yeah, sure. I'm on Bunurong land uh, of part of the Kulin Nations. Hey, Jared here from Gadigal land, uh, he, him. And uh, my name is Harrison James. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm coming from uh, Gadigal land, who are a part of the Eora Nation. So thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much. And we've made a massive effort to, not a massive effort, we've made a effort to state that again, it is at the top of each episode anyway. The the recording itself is done on Wurundjeri land, but it is important for us to recognise that we're recording on January 26th, which is not a day that we celebrate as Australia Day. It's a day that we all recognise on this call um, as a day of mourning and we respect the Indigenous people of this um, country and we acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. But, yes, welcome, everybody. I'm so happy to have you here. We've had the coolest group chat going. <laughs> I was blushing last night when I was out for dinner with my friend um, and I'm going to come to you. Jared, obviously, with the first question, because somebody that was obviously very handsome wrote in the first question when I put it forward, <laughs> which is how are you all so ravishingly not- handsome? Firstly, like maturity level. Who asked that question? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's been a wonderful chat, though. I've been like cackling, laughing um, at the thought of the three of you being in like a boy band. I'll manage you. I think we can make it happen. I don't know who's going to be the centre person for it, though. <laughs> Me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you offended that I didn't Brayden? already ask that? <laughs> I, I'm offended that you didn't just say Brayden centre. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's Brayden and the Brayden and the other guys. <laughs> That's the band name. <laughs> Okay, we've got the band name, Brayden and the other guy. <laughs> Brayden et al. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. Um, but I did, um, following on from listening to part one of your episode um, earlier this week was Drop Brayden and we're going to release part two next Wednesday as well. But I wanted to invite you all in here because the three of you are Polished Man ambassadors. I think, Jared, you started your Polished Man journey uh, first and then 
you inspired Brayden to come along his survivor journey and Harry's come along with that as well. Um, it's been really great to get to know you all individually, but to have you all together as well is really special to me. You're three people that I really care about a lot. And I've had the pleasure of, you know, getting to know you personally as well as as a survivor, which has been really great. Um, but I thought maybe would one of you like to talk about what it is to be a Polish man ambassador? Maybe Jared, do you want to say, speak about you starting off and then we can go to Brayden and Harry? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, you're right. I started must have been six years ago now um, when I first heard of Polish Man, which I think was fairly early in its um, run as well. In the first year, I actually, I sort of heard of it at the end of October and didn't participate. The year after that, I participated, but I hadn't told anybody my story yet. Um, and the following year, I'd, I'd done a, a short course with Samson, who we've um, also talked about before and I felt some some things shifted and I felt pretty empowered to speak out and so I got in contact with them and said look I feel like I can contribute to this conversation from a survivor's point of view not just from someone who's raising some money and trying to support and um, so I got on board and you know Polish Man for those who haven't heard about it and hopefully um, anyone who's listening to this podcast has but um, you know maybe others haven't yeah it's an organization, it's adjacent to YGAP and um, YGAP used to stand for Y Gender Against Poverty, but it's a bit broader than that now. And that's why they're YGAP. But um, one of one massive factor in poverty is um, exploitation of children. And one in five children, I think it's one in three girls and one in six boys um, experiences physical or sexual violence before the age of 18. And there's a story behind the Polish nails, but um, I won't go into that, but the um, outcome or the way that money and awareness is raised is that we polish a nail and uh, raise awareness and fund for people who've been survivors of childhood abuse. So not just sexual abuse, physical abuse as well. Yeah, great. That's such a good description. Um, and I think people listening, if they're not aware of it, would have seen people polishing their nails and posting around that October time as well. Um, and it's a great way to kind of challenge the narrative, but I do love that you've kind of given that introduction, Jared, because that's exactly how you found this, wasn't it, Brayden? Uh, yeah, I literally just stumbled across uh, a post of Jared's on Instagram uh, where he'd shared his story. I don't know if it was the first time, but it may have been the first time in front of a heap of people. Um, and I don't know what happened. I think I describe it in in the podcast as it just like a tsunami flooding in and I was just like holy shit um my own experience came back and I was just like you know it would be really really great um would be to be able to get to the point that Jared is at um with my own story and I was just like I need to get involved with this um and I just signed up but I didn't really tell anybody why I'd signed up other than I believed in the cause um and then the, the other piece came I think I messaged Jared first to let him know that he'd inspired me before I even told my story to my partner um yeah but yeah it just changed the my part the path of my life that day so um thanks Jared the OG oh look um on that I think one of the ma massive things about being part of Polish man I think you guys would probably attest to this and Harry with your 
you know, own activism even prior to Polish Man is when other survivors come to you and tell you that something you've done has made an impact. Um, I think I remember speaking with Maddie about just the realization that I could do something and that that I would have an effect by speaking out. You know, I, I, I don't think I realized quite what the outcome would be um, and that I would help people. Like, I think I did it aiming to help people, but perhaps, you know, naively didn't think I really would have much of an effect. Um, and so still to this day, having people contact me or, you know, people I know open up or people I meet open up is just incredible. And it's really encouraging. And like Braden's been so encouraging, encouraging. And then hearing Braden's story in turn has helped and encouraged me. It's, it, it's not, a, it's not one way. It's this continual flow. And I think again, something else we talked about Mads uh, was the language of surviving. And I think the more I've been in this sphere, the more I've developed this language and the more that's allowed faster and deeper connections with survivors who I meet, which is amazing. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think it just goes to show as well, like the ripple effects of speaking out, not only the ripple effects of abuse and how that touches our lives, but the ripple effects of being a survivor who speaks out and engages with the community. So we've had that one impact on, on Brayden from you, Jared, but then as well, we've got somebody like Harry, which in your story, you didn't really realize what you'd gone through at the time was abuse. So it's not just giving people permission, but it's actually educating to a level where you can understand that actually what I went through was bad and it wasn't okay. And that's been a really incredible journey for yourself as well. Do you want to um, maybe talk about how you came to that point for yourself and then how you came to Polish Man and your advocacy journey? Talking yeah. Oh, sorry. Not- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what did Harry just like? I'm so sorry. This is why um, Harry isn't the centre guy at the board boy band. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. There's chaos down here, Tom. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Um, yeah. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, no, it was totally, I had no idea what I went through was abuse. And um, I didn't have any male examples of what that of what that sort of looked like and what talking about that looked like. I only had female examples. And um, I'm so thankful and grateful for those female examples. The Grace Thames and the Brittany Higgins and the Chanel Contos, they were the big three that really inspired me to come forward and talk about what, what happened. You know, I had to go through a very rigorous process of figuring out what happened to me, mm. figuring out what actually was happening to me. Um, and, you know, I went to rehab and, and, and got that help that I needed. It was very extensive and very, um, uh, I don't want to say the word, I don't have the actual word that I'm looking for, but extreme is what comes to mind. It was very intensive. It was very intense is what I'm trying to say. And, um, I came out the other end of that, just knowing that I wanted to help one person. And if I helped one person, that could trickle on to the next thing. I had no idea how vast the survivor community was or, or, or how many people actually put their hand up to speak before me. I thought, you know, at this, you know, I was young, I'm young and I just had this thing that I'm going to change the world, this mindset, but I don't know if I'm going to do that. But um, 
it uh yeah that's the one thing i want to do and i came out with that video and it would just came it stemmed from pure anger believe it or not i had no other means of going to anyone or no other means of, of no no other resource to um to come forward with it um other than social media you know i grew up on social media and that was the only way i knew how to communicate in a way funnily enough so that's how i did it i communicated through the only way i knew how to communicate and um it made uh, an impact <laughs> and a lot of people saw that video and since then it's just snowballed into this big thing and one of the people that saw that video was Nikki Matheson, the woman that at the time um, was the campaign, the ambassador manager. Yeah. And um, I, I owe, I owe a lot to that woman. She, she, she is the one that started it all for me and I wouldn't be sort of in the position I am now without her and I love her and I hope she knows that I love her. <laughs> so yeah, that's how I started with Polish Men uh, through Nikki and I got to meet these two amazing men and I'm, I'm, I'm in debt to them and, 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 the, uh, <laughs> and the, they, have, they have a very significant role in my life and I hope they know that. Yeah. That's lovely. And I know that actually all three of you, I think have spoken about Nikki as well and the impact yeah. that she's personally had through the advocacy journey as well I mean because she doesn't just she didn't just support you all or get you to be ambassadors there was a lot of behind the behind the scenes stuff that was happening as well I mean it's not just sharing your story once I think we all quite clearly know that it's it's a part of advocating and a part of having constant discussions and being a part of a massive community but I guess that's really interesting as well and I think it's really sweet too because Brayden in your episode I think it's in next week's there's a quote about Harry do you remember saying that uh, no <laughs> <laughs> it was really sweet I actually Harry and I um I've just jumped on a phone call every now and then to check in on each other and make sure that we're both doing okay. So we'll have like a, you know, midnight chat or something. Um, it's been really lovely, but I, Harry wasn't having the best day the other day. And I was like, I've just recorded with Brayden. And he had this really lovely moment where you're talking about, I think Brayden, that something you were upset about something. And then I think it was our family responses and then Harry had said um, something really quickly back to you in that moment. And you're like, you're right. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I think I, I reached out to Harry. Uh, I think he reached out to me actually just randomly. And I'd found out literally the day before um, that my dad was in denial about my abuse. And I'd shared that with Harry. And Harry's just like pretty much shortened and not as... Um, horrific as I'm going to explain this. It's just like, fuck it. <laughs> but really, really sweet. <laughs> um, and I was like, in that moment, I was like, yeah, you know what? You're so right. <laughs> and like, it just completely flipped for me, like immediately. Um, yeah. So thanks again, Harry. <laughs> uh, of course. All good. <laughs> I love that. But just as highlight, I think, not only within advocacy, but within all of our lives, how much we rely on one another, um, not so much as like formal therapy or something, but it's nice to just check in. It's nice to have support and it's nice to know that you've got community that sits outside one level outside of your life or as friends 
in the community as well, where you can kind of go, I'm feeling this way about something. Um, and somebody inherently understands that rather than you having to explain it to them. Um, the frustration that we feel sometimes, and you don't have to explain why it's frustrating or having a setback about something and just regressing in a, in a thought process that you thought that you were completely over and you get to a point and you're just like, oh, you know, I'm just going to drop a line to one of these three men. I know I could drop a line to any of you and get a really quick response and know that you'd all be there. And you would be there with not advice or not um, a plan of action, but it would be a helpful listening ear that understands and empathizes and genuinely does and could talk to that as well, which I think is a really wonderful community that we're building here. And the three of you together are so cute. <laughs> yeah, we it. are. <laughs> be in the same place together it's really nice i think it's a language that's just coded in us as well yeah unfortunately but it's a benefit to each like for all of us i remember not to disregard any other meeting that i've ever had but when i first met jared we went for a drink at a bar and it was like i had answers to questions that i never knew i needed to ask just from talking to him and I was so grateful for that and I, yeah it's just I, it it was such a it was such an imperative conversation that I needed and it and it changed the trajectory the trajectory sorry I can't say that word but it changed the that and um it in in a very impactful way so thank you Jared even though you probably don't know that you even had that impact on me but you did <laughs> I, well, you've, you've mentioned it. I think I was reflecting today um, and I remember we left that conversation and as we left, like, I was, you know, you meet somebody and mm. you want to be friends and I, like, I think I spoke about this in my, um, my podcast as well. Like, I inherently think people aren't going to like me. And then also I'm like, I'm meeting this guy who's like almost 20 years younger than me and way, way cooler. Um, <laughs> and, I don't know about that, but yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, uh, well, I want to do this. I want to support him. And like, I've been really just appreciating. I think what I've loved actually is, and I was, there's a couple of things I've been thinking about and lead up to this, but I'll, I'll cut back to this story because I get lost. But I remember Harry saying as we, as we left, he said, I love you, man. And I was like, taken aback because like, we'd only met once, but I, not in a bad way. And, um, I hope they don't listen to this, but I, there's there's some people even in the past 12 months who I've become friends with who like overstepped the mark with that level of intimacy very quickly. And as a survivor, even though well, not physically or anything like that, but just in the way they kind of, um, it, it hits and it hurts. But when Harry said that, I was like, yeah, man, you too. Because I think that depth of conversation that that we'd had and that connection, like it, it fosters those kind of, relationships and the depth quickly um yeah. i really like appreciate that so yeah hey i love you man <laughs> you guys this is so sweet i wish i could see braden's facial features hey braden <laughs> i love you man <laughs> stop it oh my goodness i love you both <laughs> <laughs> we love you (laughs) this is the sweetest conversation i think i've ever had (laughs) i'm blushing i might need a moment um (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I think like for people listening as well, I think the important thing is as well, like so many people are criticized for coming forward and sharing their stories and, and you don't have to do that. But that's one thing that I love about the Survivor Hub, the Survivor Support Network, Polished Men, these different communities that are bringing people with similar experiences together. Because like you say, like it is just so important and it's so uns- it's so difficult to explain the feeling that you get when you meet somebody who just inherently understands and it's not a competition in any way. It's not a thing where it's just like, oh, well, mine was worse. There's none of those discussions there. And it's not like group therapy where you have to, you know, that like like what you would see in the movies at an AA meeting. And I think that's what a lot of people think that it would look like. Not that that's a bad thing, but I think it's just a community level where you make mates. And it's really great to be able to get into a different area and make friends as adults as well, that can be really difficult to find new friends and find new interests. And I think this advocacy has become not only like an interest in something that I'm passionate about, but a hobby and an activity that I enjoy doing with these community members as well. So it changes your life and the trajectory a lot. And it can be wonderful in ways that people don't understand. But I think obviously listening to that, people will. Yeah. It really does. Like, I think um, I've never been much of a hobby person. And I think in part when I was younger, it was because of confidence. Like I, I never took anything on because I didn't think I could do it. Um, but now so much of my time is taken up by people and by this kind of thing um, and work I do with Samson. And like, it's kind of better than a hobby really. And it mean it does mean I need a lot of downtime. Like I sometimes feel like a bit of a waster. Like I'll spend a whole Saturday, and I know other people do this, but like I need a lot of downtime to recover from it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's also totally worth it. I, I call it a social recharge. Yeah. Like, yeah. You just you need that time. What's that saying that you said to me, Jared? It's um, it's. No one wants this membership, but it's the greatest club that you could be a part of. Yeah. So it's, like, it's, it's a really awesome club with a really shitty membership requirement. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. Like, although we've been through this horrendous thing, the the and it's horrible, and and no no one ever deserves or or wants to go through something like that. The the you reap the reward of, of, of people like yourselves and, and it is a beautiful community and that, that there is, there is a benefit to it because we really do have that like coded language and that inherent bond that, that you can't, I can't explain it. It's yeah, it's, well, it's unexplainable. I think it's exhausting trying to explain yourself to people who don't, yeah. even people who really care. Like I woke up the day after George Pell died um, mm-hmm. and, I'd heard about it on the day and I was the one at work who would kind of call out, hey guys, George Pell's dead. And everyone, you know, there's a few jokes and a few, you know, like all the usual. The next mm. morning I woke up and I just wanted to bore my eyes out. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not a survivor of abuse in the Catholic church. I'm not a survivor of institutional abuse. Um, in some ways it kind of, that stuff is sort of distant to me in those senses. But whenever it's been in the news, it's always taken my attention and my energy. And then when he died and hearing one particular survivor's story and just the impacts of that death on her and particularly her saying she's not jumping up and down with joy because he's dead because 
like she hasn't got what she needed and justice hasn't been served and and the next morning I just wanted to bore my eyes out and I I didn't want to call my parents I could have I didn't want to but I didn't want to call somebody I didn't who didn't understand like I didn't because it's just as much as people try and this isn't like a criticism of anybody in my support network because I have a fantastic support network but just having to explain yourself or having people kind of just at one level of not quite getting the depth of it can be difficult and so what, what I end up doing because I work with a bunch of guys from Samson on the call line I just threw an email out because I had to go to work um, so I sent this email out and I just said this is what's going on and this is why I feel crap about it and then there was some guilt in there because I like, you know, I was feeling a bit selfish about some stuff that I was thinking and I just threw it on this email and then I stood in the shower and cried for 15 minutes. <laughs> and then like, I kind of sucked it up, like dried off my face, cleaned my teeth and went to work. And over the day, I got three or four emails back from those guys um, and just saying how they felt or acknowledging how I felt and it was that coded language and that understanding that you talk about. And it, there was no needing to explain anything to each other. Um, and it was just really, really great to have that and to know I could do it. Um, and I think, you know, I touched base with a couple of you guys on that, that day as well. Mm. Yeah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Absolutely. And it's, it, you're right. It is, it's a day of mixed feelings when George Powell died. It wasn't just, thank God he's dead. And there was a few, I think it was a Friday and I'm doing that meme Friday thing. So I was, there was a few, few funny things in there. Um, 
Like I think somebody had made their name George Pell and he tweeted, sure he's hot in heaven or something like yeah. and I was like, oh that's it was a bit funny, but you know, making a bit of a joke around it. But it is that kind of maybe you're trying to keep it at arm's length humor sometimes as well. Because yeah. to understand the experience of these victim survivors who didn't get justice because of horrible laws that are in place or because of other things or the people that did for a brief period of time to have that overturned to have the public discourse around this convicted sex offender be that he was vindicated when that wasn't the case. Like the public discourse has been very difficult for most victim survivors to, to have it on their minds as well. Amongst everything that you're going through in your life, to have this be the discussion happening, to have Tony Abbott writing this about a wonderful man, like to have these big public figures talking about how much they loved him. It's, it is difficult. And I think, you know, it's great to hear you talk about it on that level as well, Jared, because it is, I think it did hit a lot of people, maybe not even on the day, but in the days after and mm. seeing the aftermath of people lining churches with ribbons because of their experiences. I think that was a really powerful moment as well. Um, I do have some questions for you all. I did get, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to ask some of them because I did get unfairly targeted by some naysayers, I think. Um <laughs> So one of them's directed to me and it says, um, Maddie, when you say believe all survivors, um, what about those who lie? So I think it's maybe a good discussion to have between all of us. I mean, I am happy to put on the record that I do believe all survivors. I do believe everybody that comes forward. And I believe that that can include the encompassing of the belief in you're innocent before you're guilty. I don't think that a person's right to innocence is necessarily stopped at the point of believing a survivor and that that's happened. And again, that also makes the discussion about believing survivors purely one about justice and going through the justice system, which we know is something that most victim survivors don't do. So to get that question, I would say it is a little bit ignorant, but I do want to address it. I'm not saying believe all survivors as if I'm not aware of the fact that there's a possibility and a probability that some people may make allegations that are false or that are incorrect. But again, I believe that everybody has the right to a fair, equitable and just access to an investigation, whatever that might look like. And that the base level that we respond to people's accusations or when they come out and speak about this is with love, respect, and trust, rather than questioning them about their experiences, trying to, in our own layperson way, determine whether we believe that they're lying or not. I believe all survivors, full stop. I think if someone's making false allegations, it's usually a cry for help for something else, almost 90% of the time. So that's my stance on it. And yeah, I believe all survivors. 100% of the time. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the nuance with it, with the way you answered that question there, Mads. I think it's a really good, like a really good and valid point to make that believing somebody and accepting what they say isn't, isn't like quashing the innocent to a proven guilty on the side of things. And I mean, the reality is that if it gets to a court case, then I, even if they're found not guilty, I don't believe it, to be honest. I, I, it, from what I've been through in getting to court and getting it 
well, not a not guilty verdict, thankfully a hung jury. Um, I think somebody who was lying about it, it, that would come to light before me, the level of interrogation, you know? So um, yeah, I, I do believe there'd probably be people there who'd maliciously do it. And there would be people there who would do it, like Harry says, as a cry for help regarding something else, something unrelated or something similar, who knows? But I, I have a lot of confidence that somebody who was falsifying it, unless they had like a team of people around them, helping them for some other reason, which is, you know, heading into conspiracy theory territory. I just don't, I can't imagine it getting to court. It's hard enough to get someone like the truth, a real case to, to court. Um, and so in that respect, at the very, at the very start of things, when someone tells their story and when someone speaks out, the only thing to do is believe. And there's compassion. You know, if somebody lies about it, something that drastic, then there's got to be compassion there for them as well. Um, even if, you know, if I found out someone's lying, I'd be very angry with them. But I think there's also got to be compassion. And I think as well, like just on this experience that we've all had together, not one question has been asked other than the, the inherent belief that's come from that. And, you know, we're all sitting here wearing these um, always was, always will be, or, you know, very Aboriginal flags, um, because that's something that we do believe. And it is important to call out that, you know, believing survivors on a community level is important so that somebody might go and seek help so that somebody might identify as having been worthy of going to court or to the police or to seek mental health services. And that person might not look like the white people that are looking back at me now. Like we're all, you know, white in our twenties, thirties, forties, middle-aged, like where we've got full-time jobs, we don't have severe mental health problems or addictions. We're able to communicate. We are able-bodied, like probably not Brayden right now because he's just back and he can't move. <laughs> Bless. But <laughs> it is one of those things as well, where it's just like, I want to make it clear that that is for everybody and having a fair and equitable system means that, you know, somebody that is, um, suffering from a drug addiction um, that walks into a police station is believed the same amount that I would be, that you would be, that a child would be when they're accessing any services or when they're just at a community level discussing this. Because it also comes down to children as well, not being believed by their parents and things like that. The next one was um, you say that you speak out about violence against women and then you go and advocate and highlight all of these men. Um, which was an interesting one because that was from a woman and I, I've never personally experienced any women um, having an issue with the advocacy of men, but it's mostly men I found who counter the argument in some way. So they'll say something like, oh, to a woman and to discredit her, they'll say, but men are victims too. And I've made it my absolute goal that I highlight every single person that I can. And that is all of you that is every single person, like I just said. Um, but I guess, what does it feel like for you to hear that? Um, maybe Brayden. Um, it's tough because I think a lot of men don't actually speak up because of this reason, because people are like men can't be victims, men can't be survivors, um, which then only contributes to us not talking up, speaking up, talking about it, seeking help. Um, and I don't think it's fair to just feel like you can't advocate for them as well. 
um, when I feel like there hasn't been a lot of space for male survivors of sexual assault to actually be heard or to find support. It's not very visible. Um, and I, yeah, it's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I totally feel that. Um, and I guess it may be a better question might be, what do you think as male survivors, we could do better together to advocate for men and bring men along on this journey? I feel like it has a lot to do with changing the narrative around this whole masculinity thing. I think it contributes to a lot of, again, another um, factor of why men aren't coming forward is because they're afraid of potentially being seen as less masculine. And so I think changing the narrative of what masculinity looks like in Australia, it will actually help that process and help more people become advocates in this space um, and to provide support to others in this space. Um, there's obviously more to it than that, but I think that has a big, big role to play. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think um, I don't think I've met another another male survivor who hasn't felt like uh, what they've been through has somehow had an impact on their masculinity or how people perceive their masculinity. Um, so I agree with that. I think. Hearing that question, I can understand why a woman would ask that question um, and of a woman. And I think um, you think about the Me Too movement, um, especially, and like, I don't know the statistics on adult male rape victims. I actually, you know, I saw um, one on Change the Headline the other day that, you know, a, a, apparently a taxi driver raped somebody or a bit that, you know, the Change the Headline, I, ca I can't remember what the bad headline was, but yeah been corrected which i always love those corrected headlines but um i think you know a lot of a lot of adult victims are women i'm sure there's more adult victims than men um but i don't know statistics but one thing that's been really making me think lately as a survivor of childhood abuse is that that narrative in my experience and it's not always the case for the most part, I think though people are more inclined to believe ch people when they talk about their childhood abuse than when they talk about adult abuse. Um, probably because it's more recent, possibly because they might also know the person that, you know, th there's so many factors in it. But I think what I feel as a man who's been through what I've been through as a child and been believed and been supported and then is in a reasonably privileged position of, of being able to speak out about it and being asked to speak out about it, which is a real, it's a privilege to be asked to, sh to share your voice and your experience. Um, it's not a right, I don't think. And um, is that what can I do to advocate for women? You know, if there's women around me who I know personally or just in general, because I do think that it is a cruel, cruel system as an adult survivor of rape, even as we're in this Me Too moment and as things are supposed to be improving um, and listening to the stories, like some of the, some of the stories on your podcast, um, it just makes me want to keep speaking up and to advocate for everybody because um, I would share 
you know, listening to them, I share common experiences and common feelings and common, common hurts with adult female rape victims. And so if I can be, if I can use a platform to advocate for them, then I will. And as a guy, if, if I can use my experience to say, hold up to another guy, like don't discount that. And I know what that's like, then I want to do that. Yeah. For me, it's never been that I've always said, if I'm speaking about something in generalizations, um, most of the time it's violence against women that I'm speaking about. Absolutely. But I've specifically highlighted male stories because it's not an uh, insular issue. This is an ongoing issue. Um, And I think that the key thing that I would like to see happen is to get more men involved in speaking out against childhood abuse, against sexual abuse, and against the uh, victimization of women. And if we talk about violence and aggression and masculinity as well, like more men were murdered last year than women were, but men are the ones murdering men. And, you know, most of the people who repost my things on Instagram or reach out to me and ask questions and get involved in the listeners of this platform are primarily women. And I think, I don't know how to get more men actively involved in this space. I have no ideas at this moment. I'm like, do I, how do we bring it to the AFL? How do we bring it to the NFL? How do we, how do we collectively get these voices? I think one thing, and it's inherently patriarchal and sexist, which is hard to for me to consume, but also something that we need to acknowledge is that men listen to men. And I think having you personally advocating is not only helping other men come to terms with their own abuse, deal with things in a different way, speak out and, and access mental health care and things like that, but it's also signaling to other men that maybe this is a space they can go into and care about because it's not what's non-masculine it's not feminine I don't like that they're opposites either it's not (laughs) non-masculine to to advocate for these things to share things to get involved and to help you don't have to be a survivor to do that so I don't know do you guys have any ideas for how we might be able to get more men who aren't even survivors involved in these causes look I think representation is massive and like you said we all 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 three of us advocate for but I also think a part of it is without discounting that men are a majority of the perpetrators, I do think that this is going to sound wrong initially, but I think if you work with me, it'll go through. But I think we need to take gender out of the conversation and make it a conversation about the abuse of power across the board. And I think that's really imperative and in and, and, and letting everyone know that this can happen to anyone and come from anyone. I mean, my perpetrator was a five-foot Filipino woman. No one would ever think that that would be a pedophile that would um, prey on a young boy and never in anyone's wildest dreams. Anyone, everyone's idea of a pedophile is probably the old man on the street corner outside the milk bar or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so wrong. So I think if we shift it to the abuse of power across the board and, and go, at, go at it from that angle... And, um, but again, without disregarding the fact that we do perpetrate that, 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 that is statistically speaking. Um, so it's, it is a tricky one, but that's, that's what I, that's what, that's my intent when I advocate at least. Yeah. And I love and that you I said have, that. I just want to, I just want to make a point as well. Sorry to cut you off. Max. I don't advocate 
although men do gravitate towards me when I do advocate, I don't advocate specifically for men. I advocate for survivors full stop. Whether you're a man, a woman or, or whatever, no matter race, gender, um, sexual orientation, I'm there for you. And I just hope that like with all of our advocacy, all the work that all four of us do, the one thing I hope that victim survivors take from it is because so often we have to answer to everyone else at the detriment to ourselves, right? And I just hope that victim survivors take from our work that they are too full of everything that makes them whole to ever be loved in harms. And yeah, that's super important, I, I think. Too full of everything that makes them whole to be loved in halves. Dude, you should put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I do. I love that. Actually, on a side note, um, when we caught up with, I caught up with Harry and Jared for a drink at a gay bar in Sydney at a, like a drag bar. It was awesome. You can't Without have a bad me? I know. You can't have a bad <laughs> I reckon there's got to be a scientific paper on it, but it's it's statistically impossible for you to have a bad time at a drag bar. I just, it's a yeah. bad, so. <laughs> but we all great. caught up yeah. and then Jared came a bit later and he was wearing one of Harry's t-shirts. It says belief so survivors cool. on it. It was so sweet. <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever. It was, yeah. and you were actually wearing it. Like, did you get, you didn't get changed into that because you were meeting Harry. Like you were already out. Uh, I wear it a lot, so I can't remember. I think I actually did change it though, just for Harry. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love that so much. That makes me so happy. Um, <laughs> but you're right. And I think on that, that power and control, Harry, I think that's the discussion that we're having across the board in Australia right now about coercive control. Mm -hmm. It's trying to understand that, you know, abuse doesn't have to be violent to be impactful and it doesn't have to leave a bruise to be impactful. And I think that's what all of us are speaking about consistently as well. And that's the, that's the macro theme here is an abuse of power in some dynamic, whether it's a teacher, yes. you know, and it's, it's us challenging that, um, like you said before, Jared, around the fixed it, which is a Jane Gilmore who fixes the articles. She has actually written a book called. I had Jane, I was struggling for the second name. <laughs> yeah, Jane Gilmore, she's written a book called Fixed It. I definitely recommend that. I actually got to have a, a wine with her. She's so cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's about us all continually advocating and challenging those types of narratives as well. Because it is, you know, if it's a female teacher that abuses a young boy, it's a sex romp. But if you flip that, the way that the news reports on things, it's different. And I, I really appreciate um, your advocacy as well, um, Harry, and coming forward and being able to speak to that eloquently without having, and speaking to it on your own terms without responding to stupid articles like that. You're able to just come out and explain what it was and explain it in your own truth and people really do get it and they're outraged for you. Thank you. I guess to, um, to close up, because some of the other questions are just mostly targeted at me. <laughs> I think I've pissed a couple of people off, but that's okay. I love you all. Um, so from here, I guess, what would any of your final thoughts be? I guess I, I was doing this in all of our um, podcast episodes, but I'd really like to hear maybe from each of you what one piece of advice for somebody who's going through this right now would be. Um, or somebody listening to this, if they're a survivor and they're having a hard time. Um, I think the most important thing for me was finding 
even if it's just one main support person, just to kind of feel like you're not alone through this um, because it can be incredibly difficult and at times incredibly dark. And to be doing that alone is fucked. <laughs> um, so yeah, find someone that you, that you trust and that will know will be there for you. Um, even if it's just to sit in a room in silence, um, sometimes that can be incredibly powerful, but yeah, find that person. I love that. And sometimes that person can also be an animal. I think a lot of us actually mm. speak to, um, the power of having animals and JC Lee Dugard, who is a, a victim of abduction. She was taken for 18 years. Um, and she now has started a new trauma informed thing in the States, which is around equine care. Cause that's all she could do as well. So I think it's maybe if you're not ready to speak to a person just on that, maybe it is go and go play with some horses, go grab some larger mammals, go buy a dog. It's wonderful. Maybe don't buy a dog, go borrow your neighbor's dog with their consent. Don't steal dogs. You know what I mean? Just go to a dog park with a, with a leash um, and just hang out with other people's dogs and just like, oh yeah, it's over there somewhere. <laughs> no one will ever know. <laughs> Except when you leave without a dog. <laughs> I love that. Um, I'll go to maybe you next, Jared. Well, I mean, I think one thing we talk a lot about tonight is the community and I think get in touch with the community. And if you're, if you're listening to this and you can't think of who to contact, well, then there's four people you can contact, male or female. I think you can contact any of the four of us. And um, doesn't mean that whoever you contact will become your best bud, it, although it might. But it, I think all of us are more than willing to, um, to hear and understand and to direct you where you might get some help um, and to share our experience one-to-one. -one. And I think... The other thing I would say is don't don't ever feel pressured. I, I um, met somebody on the weekend actually who um, shared, you know, disclosed some stuff to me, not not knowing me, not knowing my story, um, and you know, I disclosed back. But um, and I had a really strong reaction, like I was angry for them and like a lot of things. But I also found myself thinking, oh man, I wish they'd. I wish they'd speak up. And I realized that that was my own desire for justice, getting ahead of their needs. And they'd actually, they had spoken up, but also the person who they'd spoken up against hasn't faced any consequences yet and may not because they've got a choice about how they take things. So they've, they've put some things in place, but they, they haven't necessarily pushed the go button and they may never. And I think you, you might get a lot of pressure once you speak up to like fight for justice or to, to go to the police or to do something or whatever it is that people around you might pressure you to do or, or what you feel internally pressured to do. I know for me, going to the police and taking it to court was a really important part of my recovery, but that was me and that was what I needed. And actually, I didn't really deal with it emotionally well at all until after I went through that legal process. Um, and that... And that was obviously what I needed. But if if that's not what you need, or if any number of other things aren't what you need, then just don't feel pressured to act or to speak up or to, to do anything. Like you've got to look after yourself, not at the cost of other people, but number one is you and your recovery because otherwise you can't do anything for anybody else. And so... Um, yeah, unless you know 
that speaking up will prevent more abuse happening, I think just don't feel pressured. Like it really take, take a load off. Yeah. And even in that circumstance, I mean, it's just, it's never anybody else's responsibility. I think as well, it's on you to do whatever you need. That's the whole reason why you have to, you know, give yourself oxygen if the, if they come down in an airplane first, because you, you can't tend to other things in your life. You can't do things in holes if you're, um, if you're struggling like that. So definitely, I think that's great, um, Jared. And what about you, Harry, for final thoughts? It's sort of similar to Jared's. Um, I would just say it takes a lot of hard work to do, but coming to the realisation that it's not your fault what happened, but it is your responsibility to do something about it. And that, that sounds harsh, but it's, it's truth. And I also think I want to say for, for me, and I think for all of us, and this is no disrespect to anyone in this chat, but I want survivors to know that being an advocate and being out there public, it's not the end goal for all of us. You know, this doesn't have to be what you have to become to be worthy of a life free from trauma. And, um, and you know, you just have to, like Jared was saying, you have to go at your own pace and you have to go at your own time. And, and like, I don't mean to bring up work I've done, but I work with New South Wales Police to bring forward SARA, the new sexual assault reporting options. And that was a massive deal for victim survivors, in my opinion. I got quite a bit of hate for it for working with the police, which I totally understand because people have had a lot of um, negative, you know, interactions with the police. I, I even have myself, but I saw it as an opportunity for victim survivors to create their own timeline and for them to, to take control of that narrative and to be like, well, I want to report this. I don't want this to be an, a formal investigation. And I want to report this now so there's a note on it. And I might come back to it in six years, six, six weeks, six years, 20 years, however long I want it. So it's just going at your own pace and, and, and creating, although it takes time, creating your own sort of end goal and, and following that, what your intuition wants to lead you to. Because being an advocate and being, if on the news and, and, and being in front of everyone and speaking your truth loud and proud, it's not, the, it's not the desired result for everyone. And you do not have to be that to be worthy of being a survivor. Yeah. So I just want people yeah. to know that. It's very, I'm very passionate about people knowing that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I will just say one thing, because when you said that it's up to everybody to make the changes or to, it's up to everybody to take back that control, I think it's just worth highlighting that that isn't, saying that everybody needs to seek justice. Well, I think you, what you were meaning totally. was more, it's about yeah, you looking was. after yourself. Yes, yes, totally. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't uh, uh, reiterate that point, but yeah, that's right. No, that's what I'm here for. I just heard it and I was like, I hope somebody doesn't think <laughs> that. So I'll just read yeah, yeah. that for you. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's just been great having you all here. I love you all tremendously. Um, thank you for the work that you've all done throughout different stages of your life, whether it be advocating, coming forward and sharing your own story, working with different survivors, coming on and doing things like this to get the word out, um, working with the police, Harry. I mean, there's so many different things and different ways to advocate. And I think it's just to, to give people hope and knowledge that there is life after abuse. It is hard. It is treacherous. We've all had different experiences, but we all are happy in life and we've got 
happiness and we've got fulfillment and we've got jobs and we travel and we enjoy other people's company and friends and we laugh and there is so much that we can enjoy in life and if that's something that you're not feeling is achievable then know that there are people all around you who have stepped through that um through that before and who've come out the other end after a lot of hard work to be able to to enjoy life like this and I think it's it's not to say that we're the pinnacle hyper points of being fucking healed um but it's just to say that you know if addressing it is something that you feel like you can do um it's also addressing the fact that there's so much life after abuse (laughs) is there anything anyone want anyone wanted to say um before we sign off I think just very quickly going back to the um you were asking us how we can get more men involved and Jared and Harry touched on this a little bit as well, but I think it's getting people to be vulnerable um, in front of other people um, and people really, really respond to stories like, like this. Um, and you, you are contributing heavily to that piece, Vance. Um, you're creating space for so many to be able to be vulnerable um, with other people and to share their stories. So I think you're contributing a lot to us getting to that point where we can get more men involved, but also just more people in general. Yeah. I've never heard stories just unabridged like like you share. And like as much as I've shared my story, the way you 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 give the platform to the survivor and like I controlled the narrative when I spoke with you and I, I just kind of it flowed out. And sure I've had plenty of practice at doing that now as well. But I think you, like I'd agree with Braden, you you do it very well. And even the way you've corralled us all this afternoon has just been expert. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's been a great pleasure. Yeah, I think for you to take on every, how many episodes, what episode will this be? 76. 76. So you've had to listen to 76 different stories. Yeah. I mean, for you to take that on and hold that space for each and every one of us, I mean, I, I speak for everyone here. Thank you very much. It's it's you're a beautiful human being, and the world does not deserve you. Thank you so oh, much. Great <laughs> <laughs> and hugging the screen. Thank you so much. I like that I said final thoughts, and it ended up you all giving me a compliment. So thank you. Mahaha. <laughs> 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 <Well, laughs> wait, was that not in the script? Yeah. <laughs> 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 You'll get your checks later. Um, no, no, thank you. I think it is. Um, yeah, it's exhausting at times. It is. It's difficult at times. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, most of the people that I talk to are people like yourselves on this call, other victim survivors. And we get through it, you know. I gave Bree a call. Uh, Bree, I think Harry and Jared both met in Sydney as well. She's our, she's from Canberra and she's come onto the podcast too. And we just had a 20-minute phone call the other day. I was walking around Midsummer Festival before it got set up, which is our, our gay pride festival celebrating the LGBTQIA plus culture and arts. goes on for a few weeks. Um, and it was carnival. I was walking through there just having this really quick chat that was just really good. We were both, like I was walking the dog, she walked the dog and was getting ready to go out. And it's just to have supports like that from people who just have 20 minutes, you know, it's not that long. You don't have to sit down for hours, but I mean, just that little story in and of itself is just so cute. Um, So yeah, it wouldn't be still going if we didn't make these connections and if it wasn't so wonderful to connect with you all. Every time I meet somebody new, 
um, I feel like, yeah, I've made a new friend, which is so sweet. <laughs> um, I love you all so much. I think we can call this episode Brayden and the other guys. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> Brayden's voice. No. I'm down Jack- Or the Mads fan club. Yeah. <laughs> Brayden, you're you're just I owe you a few cocktails. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, thank you all so much um, for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, I'll pop some links to um, some pages for people. So we've got the fucking justice page. We've got Braden's consulting firm. We've got the book that you've both Jared and Jared you've contributed to. We've got the one that Braden's contributed to. There's a lot of different things. So I'll, if I'll include all of those links in the show notes of this episode. Um, and yeah, I think anybody listening, if you do want to reach out, then please do. Social media is the best way to do that send somebody a message and at least let them know that you've been listening. I think it's really wonderful to hear and have that communication back. But for now, this is Reclaim Me signing out. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.